Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. You're listening to the DC Public Library on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. I am your host, Olubumi Bakari. This is our All Things Local series where we highlight the local history, culture, communities, and personages who have made an impact on Washington, D.C. and the world, as my guest says. My guest today is Marcus Bullock. Marcus is the CEO of a tech company called FlickShop. Uh, FlickShop is a mobile app that allows families of those that are incarcerated to send photos and messages via postcard to inmates. Um, through the app for 99 cents. Marcus joins me today to talk about his incredible life story. Marcus, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, so, really grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. I love your story. Thank you, um, thank you. So let's talk about, let's, let's talk about your life and, and what led you um, to becoming an entrepreneur. Let's do it. In the tech industry. So online, um, while doing my research, I came across a story. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-oh, that's right. No, but it, it, to me, it sounded like it changed the trajectory of your life in a way. Um, an incident that happened when you were 13 years old. Um, you want to talk about that? Well, well, first of all, you know what? Before we even talk about this incident, um, talk about your family life and, and where you're from and you know, how you grew up and share a little bit about that first before we go into that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, born and raised here in the D.C. area, uh, born and raised. And I was born in uh, in Maryland and moved to northeast, uh, grew up in the northeast area uh, and uh, and then moved out to the Forestville and Sula area. So, you know, Washington area um, native. I'm one of the few that are still here. Um now uh i i still live in this area i love i love it um i carry this cold weather with me on my back Mm -hmm. um everywhere i go but uh i'm blessed to be able to live with my beautiful wife and my two children um while running uh one of the most impactful businesses in in the world and so growing up in this area how was it for you um you were active in sports correct um yeah 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 everybody so, wanted to play basketball mm-hmm. right Every, you know that i grew up during the michael jordan era okay. everybody wanted to be like mike mm-hmm. um and so yeah grew up playing basketball i had some of you know my best friends um i made during you know that journey of playing on on basketball teams um uh, excuse me i also grew up in you know i grew up in church my mom was a minister she was uh she, she kept this in church every day it seemed like um but that's also what where i formed a ton of my relationships mm-hmm. um was at church it was like school church basketball that was my life as a kid growing up um as i moved around that you know into areas and i started to see what life could be like outside of those three places and i mostly found that um affection with the, the kids in the neighborhood who were 
um, who were hustling, they were selling drugs. Like that was like more interesting to me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh wow, what are you guys you're doing? You're at that I, age where yeah, you're curious, like, you know. You people had on Jordans, and the girls like dudes with Jordans. Mm-hmm. Like that was it, right? Like you know, at, at that age, boys. You know, well, I'm not to say boys, right? My brain was like dominated by what was it directly like hands, you know, hand, arms left away from me, which was girls, girls, and more girls. Like, you know, that was my life. I was a teenage boy. Mm-hmm. So, okay. <laughs> and yeah, so, that was, you know, that's my truth. Um, in your early, your teenage years, there was an incident that occurred um, when you were 13. Um, they kind of changed your life a little bit. So Yeah, and I was 15. Was I was 15. 15. Yeah, I was 15. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. a friend of mine and I, we decided to... Um, well, to no, 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 not that story. Oh, which one? Not that one that led to this. But there's a story where um, you were... Something happened to you with someone... Oh, when I was kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I say it as if it was like, it's normal. That, that's mm-hmm. so much trauma that's baked into that, yeah. that conversation, right? But, like it, yeah, share that story. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, nah. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm, I'm in the neighborhood and... Um, I was walking down the street, coming from my aunt's house, walking to my own apartment, and some guys rolled up on me, and um, they pulled a gun out and put me in the back of their car and wanted to rob me and find out where, apparently, the drugs were. And, you know, I didn't have any drugs on me, but that was, like, that was the, the, the culture of the neighborhood, and they assumed, I guess, that because I was out there, that was what was going on. So, yep, I got kidnapped, and it was... Very tough experience. I mean, I talk about it now and as if like in passing, like it was, you know, nothing. But it, at that time, yeah, that was like a very traumatic experience, not for just for me, but my entire family. And so um, I saw in one interview that you said that that led to you um, carrying a gun. It was like, you know, the way that the guys rolled up on me, I mean, they rolled up on me really, really smooth, you know. Hey, we want to know where so and so lives. And I, I turned around to go look at the apartment numbers, turned back around to a gun in my face. And I felt like, oh, like I was obviously, you know, I'm petrified. I'm a kid. I'm petrified. I'm thinking I'm going to die. This is it. When I got, when they stuffed me into, you know, pushed me into the back of the car, one got out of the car, pushed me into the back of the car. And when they put the guns to my head and was asking me, you know, they were asking me over and over and over again where the cash was, where the drugs were. I'm like, oh, this is going to be it. Mm. I'm going to it's it's um, it's over. And eventually they ended up, you know, later on in the evening they end up letting me go, but um at the time like I knew that that was going to be the moment where because I was going to die and then I, I and then I lived, I'm like, "Oh yeah, this you won't catch me slipping like this again." Mm-hmm. Everybody in the neighborhood carries guns and now I know why. Mm-hmm. I will be one of them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, immediately I went to go seek out into the you know the around the boys around the way like who can get me one mm-hmm. and then when I got one then I felt like all right I felt more in control of my own destiny mm-hmm. and so this kind of well let me ask you would you say that this kind of changed uh, your outlook um, on where your life was heading a little bit did it change the people that you surrounded yourself with, would you say that it changed your behavior in any type of way? Besides um, up to getting a gun. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is, there is a very unnatural progression that happens to a young boy when that kind of traumatizing event happens. Because now, not only am I afraid every time a car drives slowly around me or every time I see someone walk past me with their hands in their pocket or, you know, 
each time that I, I hear a gunshot, I'm wondering if it's pointed in my direction. As a kid, where, you know, what's dominating your life at that time, again, girls in Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. right? You know, Super Nintendo, like those conflict of emotions definitely push you into a path of fight or flight. And because, you know, I was, you know, I took on that fight path, uh, it hardened me. I started looking at not only the people around me different, but I started looking at myself different. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't a victim and I wouldn't be called or labeled a victim. I wanted to ensure that I wouldn't be the the, the gazelle. I wanted to now be the lion. Mm-hmm. And so a few years later, um, something happened uh, to you or you and a friend um, did something that will forever change your life. Uh, 15 years old. Uh, well, will you? Yeah, yeah. So tell the I was 15. Um, a friend of mine and I, um, we were in Fairfax, Virginia, and we stole a car from a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we forced him out of the car. I mean, we, you know, asked him to get out of the car, and um, he got out of the car. We got in the car. We pulled off, and that was the beginning of something very different for us. Mm-hmm. Um, while it was normal to hear about the guy in the neighborhood or a school who stole a car. Um, it, it was just a part of the, the, the almost like the coming of age thing. Like mm-hmm. you was, you know, people stole cars in the neighborhood and drove to the movies, mm-hmm. you know, picked their girlfriend up and went to the, the skating ring or, mm-hmm. you know, just drove, just drove around DC while that was normal. We didn't realize that this would not only forever change even our path, but what that could possibly do for the person that we mm-hmm. hurt in his family. Mm-hmm. And, um, we ended up, that ended up leading us into sit in front of a judge where a judge would sentence me to spend some years in prison at 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a tough time for my, for my, for my entire family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, my life was consumed with like homecoming and wanted to see who was going to get voted to go to prom. And, you know, I had a girlfriend that I wanted to buy the best Christmas gift that year. Um, but, uh, my life changed a little. The trajectory changed. I can, I can't imagine, let me say that. But 15 years old, uh, you were sentenced to eight years in a maximum security prison for adults. Yeah. So you're the second person that I talked to, second um, man that was incarcerated as a juvenile and became a man behind bars. Yeah. Um, So what was that like for you? And um, I know your mother... Um, you had a strong family system that you left behind. So what was that like for you? And what did that do to your family um, when you were incarcerated? Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, look, it was a week after my 15th birthday. Mm-hmm. It was catastrophic for my entire family. I mean, you're talking about disrupting everything from, um, you know, winter break to, to, to Christmas vacation to New Year to Valentine's Day, to the end of the school year, to the summertime, to the first day of school, all of the things that you cherish with your children as they continue to grow older, my mom didn't have any longer. It was now, her time was now, it went from there to being consumed by commissary um, commissary checks and collect phone calls and prison visits um, and you know, managing all the noise in the background, wondering if this fight that she hears in the background is going to be the one that's going to send her son to the infirmary. Those kinds of 
things like magnified the experience and made it that much harder for everybody involved. Because now I have to figure out ways of how to comfort or console a mom who's crying her eyes out because she can't hug her baby boy while he's living in one of the most harsh environments in the world. Right. While also ensuring that you know, I'm sta- mentally stable enough to be able to navigate through a prison rec yard as a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, prison is one of the only places where a 60 year old, a 50 year old, a 40 year old, a 30 year old is treated the same way and placed in the same rooms with that same 15, 16, 17 year old um, who is definitely not mature enough. So to they be didn't able keep to. you separated. They just threw you nah, in with the general they don't population. They that kind of care wow. concern. They like, wow. look, look, we got a bed. You, you co- are you commit big boy crimes. Yeah, welcome to the boys. big leagues. Yeah, wow. no doubt. You are inmate number two four seven three eight four. You mm-hmm. are not like Marcus Bullock, the person who shouldn't be around other more violent people. Like, dude, you apparently you're here, so you apparently must be just as bad as everyone else is here. And 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 and, and then learning that that was even horrible in and of itself, right? Like characterizing all of these people as monsters. Because that's when I learned, interestingly enough, that life inside of prison wasn't how it was depicted on like an Oz or something mm-hmm. like that. These were real men that had real stories, that had real parents mm-hmm. and real siblings, just like I did. Mm-hmm. I was blessed to be able to see the other side of the fence. Some of them are potentially going to die behind those walls. Mm-hmm. And them knowing that, walking around the rec yard, feeling that pressure of knowing that they may die looking at cinder block walls, it does. It creates an inherently violent, depressing place where it becomes very dark. Mm. And, and that, was, that was definitely challenging as a kid growing up in that environment. Mm. So, I mean, did they treat you, the, the prisoners, like did they treat you any differently because you were a teenager? Did they offer any type of advice? You know, how are you feeling, you know, just being there? You're a teenager. Like you said, you're going through all of these different emotions. You know, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind? You know, the irony of it is, is that that's the place where I had all of the care. Like the 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 men that I surrounded myself with, those were the guys who were telling me, like, Marcus, you got to chill. Because I'm 15, 16 years old and I'm bouncing off the walls and my cell was smaller than the room that we're sitting in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and, and, you know, you want to do something. I wanted to do jumping jacks, push ups, just go play ball. And I'm confined to a room that I can't open the door. And, you know, when they would pop the doors open, I'm running. I'm like zipping. I mean, think about, you know, these teenagers. They, you just zip mm-hmm. down the halls around the rec yard on the basketball court. Like I'm running around like energy. A, yeah, just it, it just mass amounts of energy that there's nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so um, because I was confined to those small places, like when someone would bump me and I me thinking that this is the only way to communicate inside a prison is with anger and aggression. You walk into this environment thinking this when someone will bump me, I would respond with anger and aggression mm-hmm. because that's what that's that's the protective fight or flight mm-hmm. mode that I found myself con- constantly in. And then I learned over time after getting you know, into altercation after altercation, I'm fighting and I'm becoming more and more angry and I'm going to solitary confinement and I'm spending time inside of the hole and my brain is like being crushed by the air of, you know, this mop water smelling, you know, small cell with no windows. Like all of those things have impacted my my psyche that would cause me to go right back to the rec yard after coming out of that environment and ready to go fight all over again. It was the men that were there that were the 40, 50, 60 year old men that were like, dude, I need you to pause. Like, first of all, 
first of all, let's get to how you're going to make this situation worse for all of us because by you starting stuff, these correction officers and awardings and all of the administrative staff, they're going to start stripping us from stuff. They're going to start stripping away. They're going to lock down our wing or they're going to lock down our heart because they, you keep causing commotion. So first of all, you're about to cause us to get locked. What you're not going to do is come in and disrupt you know what we work so hard to be able to get you know what i mean from these people because most people like when you're in these prisons were you that, in lorton i wasn't in lorton no okay most of the most of the prisons that you know have these these guys with longer term sentences they they first of all they're not going to bust a grape mm-hmm. and now they're like look all we want to do is live in an environment that's very peaceful mm-hmm. that's chill allows me to be able to do my time and keep it moving right marcus you're coming here disrupting that so, we need to get in your ear and talk to you and be like, oh, my man, what's the problem? What are you angry about? Like, what's going on? Like, first of all, you're going to go home one day. Like, you're going to go home one day. I know you, this seems inconceivable. I know it's so hard to see five, six, seven years ahead of today. But just know, if I had eight years, dude, I would cut my arm and my left leg off to be able to to be able to see my, know that I'm going to see my family again. I got 75 years, Marcus. Mm. What are you going to do when you bump the wrong person and you have the wrong fight and it leads to you having to protect yourself over and over again and you stab the wrong person and now you have to explain to your mom why you have 25 additional years because of you got in a fight over a honey bun. Mm. It's a honey bun, dude. I need you to get your life together. Mm-hmm. Figure out, go somewhere, go read a book somewhere. Mm-hmm. Chill out. Mm-hmm. Go home and be successful. Right. So 15... You did eight years. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, all of those years. All in prison. Wow, the prime years of your life. Right. So eventually you calm down enough. Yeah. Um, So you come out of prison. Um, What was that like for you? I know I saw some things where you said that, you know, you tried to find employment. It was hard for you. Um, Like most uh, returning citizens. You got to check the box that you're a felon. Um, eventually, you got a job working at a paint store. Is that correct? Is that the first place that you worked, or you know? So, if ironic, so I had an I had a job while I was working weekends. I found I, and I found the job in the back of a newspaper for a mortgage processor. Where I would just scan mortgage documents for this 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 mortgage processor um that was my first job but Mm -hmm. literally it was like you know four six hours during the weekend i had to make something i had to do i mean there were necessities that i had to be able to purchase you know underclothes and cosmetics and Mm -hmm. you know all of those things that you know you just need just to live and so i if i was finally able to i was blessed to get that job and then while simultaneously while I was working that job on the weekends, I would look for another full time gig that would allow me to be able to really build a sustainable lifestyle and contribute to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I finally found that job at the paint store. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right around the corner from here where we're located. Mm-hmm. Um, on, in fact, we started, I started off at 15th and P Streets in Northwest, and then I worked um, that store moved to 14th and Clifton, and that was the beginning of, uh, of my career. Mm-hmm. And Eventually, you started your own company. Was it a paint company or construction company? Yeah, while I was working at that paint store, I saw a great opportunity to be able to be the conduit between the customers who didn't have anyone to paint their homes or was unsatisfied with their contractors they were working with and the contractors who were complaining about the real estate bubble bursting and them wanting to find work. Uh, While I brokered those deals, we started a painting business 
and um, that painting business began to scale up where I was able to leave working at the paint store and started working that painting business full time. And we grew it to a full construction, a construction firm um, that serviced the entire Washington metropolitan area and even some, you know, local colleges and universities and airports. Um, it, it was incredible that journey, uh, learning how to build a business, but also figuring out how to build relationships, how to walk down, how learning how to engage with people walking down the street. And seeing women when you were around men for a decade, you know, almost a decade, you know, and trying to figure out how to just exist in the world that you left so many years ago in an uncomfortable, compromising, I have no idea what I'm trying, what I'm doing here, business model that I just started. It was, Mm -hmm. it was crazy, rocky, scary, um, but tons of fun and filled with a bunch of experience and learning. But obviously you had that that drive in you, that entrepreneurial entrepreneurial drive in you. You know, where did that come from? You know, because you you didn't give up. Obviously, I know you got rejected a lot from your your jobs or what you applied for and you kept going. I still get rejected a lot, just to be clear. Yeah, but (laughs) I'm saying, but, you know, you you're coming from the place that you've come from and you're, you know, most returning citizens would be like, you know, forget it. Yeah. You know, um, they may end up going back, yeah. but you were determined. Right. And then you got this idea to start this company. So was that drive always in you or is this something you just say, oh, I see an opportunity. It just happened to click right then and there. You know what? That's I mean, it's such an interesting question. I mean, I get that, you know, a lot. Like, what's the difference between you and others that may have come home from prison? I don't think it's much of a difference outside of um well, well, you know, I'll, I'll back up a little. One big thing is I had family support. That's what, yeah. Like, that is the, the biggest thing. Like, mm-hmm. my mom, she was the backbone of my life as a kid during that time in prison and then even after release. Having that kind of family Security support. Yeah, support I didn't have the pressure yeah. of worrying about where I'm going to pay rent, where I'm going to live, how am I going to eat in the evening once I came back from looking for jobs. I could, I could stay out all day and know that when I come home that evening, I know that my mom was going to share some of the fried chicken that she made for dinner with me and not have to worry about saying, hey, are you going to contribute to the home? Are you going to give me $10 to put toward dinner? Or are you going to give me 100 bucks to put toward rent? She didn't put that kind of pressure on me. And because I didn't have that kind of pressure, it allowed me to be able to navigate and move through the world more openly with you know, knowing that, hey, everything that I get right now isn't up. Now I'm playing with house money. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't have anything, and anything now is just a plus. Mm-hmm. And so, her giving me that kind of sort of that 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 breathing room, mm-hmm. it allowed me to be able to survive. And it didn't take much; mm-hmm. just eliminating that pressure. So, um, shout out to all of the families who support their loved ones when they're coming from home, because it makes a huge, huge difference. Um, and that's hard, you know, because the expectation is now that you're home, mm-hmm. you're an adult, you have to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to step back and say, no, now that you're home, I want to continue to support you mm-hmm. because it's so it's much harder for you than it is for everyone else. You come home from prison, it's much harder than for you than everyone else. Right. So being there to support that person is like it was huge for my mom. But you still me. have that mindset because somebody, someone could be like, well, I got this. I know my mom and I'm a lay back and yeah, just I'm a chill. Back and chill. Yeah, but no your doubt. mindset is I have this this security under me. Now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go make it 
for myself. So there was something in you yeah. that said, I'm not going to just chill and lay back. I'm still yeah. going to go and get mine. But I think I showed that to my mom even during the bid. Like while I was locked up, I told my mom anytime every, and anyone else who else was listening. I told my mom, I'm going to come home and be successful. I'm going to come home. I'm going to, when I was in prison, I would read the stock pages and I'm like, I'm going to invest in this stock and I'm going to invest in that stock. And I played the stock market game in prison. At what age were you, were you when you started, you know, thinking about that? Because you were bouncing off the walls when you got yeah, there. Yeah. So when did you chill and kind of settle down and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, later on in the bit, maybe like a few years into the bit, maybe three or four years in, I was like, all right, there has to be a better way. And I had to figure out, you know, something else. And I knew, I didn't know what that something else was going to be. But, I, you know, I, I would start looking at the newspaper and I would read articles. And the way my brain would look, work, I would read an article in the Virginia Pilot that said that a new hotel was being built in Chesapeake Beach for, you know, $200 million. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, the $200 million? I thought a hotel would cost a whole lot more than that. How much, what are they doing with that $200 million? Where is it going? Where are they getting that money from? Did someone just, like, write a check for $200 million? And then I would read the article, and then I would find, you know, the Douglas Development Group did this. I'm like, who are the Douglas Development Group? And I would read articles about them, and I would read how they started in real estate, you know, residential real estate, and then buying office buildings. And I'm like, oh, well, how do you buy houses? Wait a minute. What is a FICO score? Wait a minute. What is Equifax Experian and TransUnion? Oh, my goodness. So it was this constant curiosity that kind of kept you going and, and and i would have those conversations i'm like hey mom do you know what these things are and she would have those she like well i don't know and let's 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 find out together and she would so she knew along the journey the questions that i was asking the information that i asked her to send to me while i was still in prison the conversations that we would have in the visiting room they were different and she knew that wait a minute something's changing with him I can support this change. Mm. Whatever I need to do in order to be able to help facilitate this level of success path that he's trying to build for herself, hey, I'm with it. And so she she did. She, she helped contribute to it, writing me letters, sending me pictures. Right? She, she included me in, the, in, in, in her world. Mm. And that was transformative for me. So when I came home, she gave me that kind of sort of range because she knew he talked about wanting to buy a hotel at bare minimum he's gonna have to at least find a job Mm -hmm. so when i was out looking for jobs she knew she's like all right i know that he's out working as hard as he can to find this because i know his his final destination where he says he wants to be is like this very 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 high ambitious aspirational goal that i've never met anyone that achieved so if he wants to get there i can see him. him yeah so you got to give it up for your mother because Shout she seems, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing in you versus other folks that I've talked to is the family support system. Yeah. And for you, it was your mother, um, because a lot of people working in the library, um, we have a lot of returning citizens that come in and I've seen them as young as you. Some who have been incarcerated for like 30 years and they're like, what the hell is a computer? Yeah. You know, they don't know. I don't know the yeah. first thing about a computer. Yeah, yeah. I've been in that long. I don't know what this is. Yeah. And so. That was me. You, I went in before the Internet. Wow. So what was, <laughs> like, that was crazy, what, right? Like, okay. So what was that like for you coming out and, you know. Yeah, it was the, crazy. Everything was, is tech right now. It was bananas. I went in before the Internet. I came home. It was Google. Like when I came home, I was I remember Googling a tiger for the first time. And screaming to, into the top of my lungs to my mom in the other room, like, Mom, come here, come here, come here, you gotta see this. <laughs> and she looked and she's like, Okay. I'm like, Watch this. And I Googled toilet. And <laughs> pictures of a toilet came up. I'm right. like, Look 
goodness, this is crazy. And she's like, okay, you Googled something. Tell me where the, what am I supposed to be looking at? And I'm like, Marla, watch this. And then I would keep Googling stuff. And she was like, all right, dude, I'm going to go back in the other room because while you have fun with this. Um, but, but having access to that, it was, it was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Going to the Apple store for the first time, it was like, it was crazy. I mean, I got locked up with a beeper on my hip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was right, pay phones. Right, like, right. that was... That was the the communicate, you know. That was the telecommunication. So coming home to like texting, I mean, I remember hearing about two way, mm-hmm. right? But it was like texting and all of these. When I came home, it was like you know, social was starting to get big. Where Black Planet and mm-hmm. MySpace was like dominant then, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh man, like this is interesting here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had no idea how to work that tech. Okay, so going forward, now here you are entrepreneur ceo of your own tech mobile app company uh flick shops interesting so segue tell right? me about flick shop <laughs> uh how did that get started where did the idea come from yeah so while i'm running that construction business that i talked about before we started growing and it was awesome because it gave me an opportunity to be able to live a life that i had dreamt about I mean, literally, I dreamt about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I prayed about it every day, just being able to, you know, leave the D.C. area, mm-hmm. right? Like go, being able to see a beach, being able to get on an airplane, being, you know, all of those things I dreamt about. I've read magazines. I've seen pictures of these awesome islands. I wanted to be able to experience it, and I was blessed to be able to do so. And having that opportunity allowed me to talk to my friends, those same ones I grew up with in those penitentiary cells. Um, in a different way, I'm like, man, you can't, be- you're not gonna believe the water in the Bahamas. It doesn't, it looks nothing like the water in the Potomac, like over by Anacostia Park. <laughs> you can like see the fish swimming like, in the, the in the water while you're on the jet ski. It's actually fish in the water, right? Oh my gosh, like this is mind blowing to me. In the way that I would explain it, in the excitement that came from it, it led to them them not being happy that I'm talking about it this way, but more along the lines of just the sadness of not being able to experience it with me and them leading to asking me questions like, dude, so do you not remember those pictures and those letters that your mom sent to you while you were in prison and how that opened up your world? Like, you know how important mail is to us. We don't have the internet here. I need you to stop sharing stuff on Instagram and send me pictures of this stuff. And I'm like, yo, dude, real talk. As soon as I get back from the Bahamas, I'm going to print these pictures off my phone. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write you a letter and I'm going to mail it to you. Mm-hmm. Never happened. Mm-hmm. One day turned into three days. Three days turned into two weeks. Two weeks turned into six months. Next thing I know, I'm still not writing letters. Ain't sent nay picture. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there rotting away like, yo, I can't believe Marcus did the same thing everyone else did. He left and almost forgot about us. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, man, if I could text you, my life would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. And so I Bingo, looked, light bulb. I, it was, it was, uh, I saw an opportunity. I'm like, I can't believe that there's no tech that allowed, I mean, there's tech to help me get my coffee quicker. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that can help me connect with my boys. I mean, they're. 2.3 million people in mm-hmm. prison like this is a huge population of people I can't believe there isn't tech to be able to help me connect with my boys and so we built one flick shop and so how did you, how did you get the capital to start this company so I was blessed to be able to have that company that I started in the beginning we took the revenue from the construction business in the beginning um, we had a couple of friends and family members who also wanted to throw a few bucks in and we started this app 
um, that we never thought that it was going to be like the way it is now. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, okay, this is going to be cool. We're going to do something trendy. In fact, when I first launched Flickshop, we were building it for the iPhone, mm-hmm. and I still carried around a BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even have the tool to use it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's how you know elementary we were mm-hmm. in embryonic in, in think in, in our thinking and how we will build a scalable product. But over time, like. People started getting excited about it. And the next thing I knew, I was flying around the country explaining to, you know, department heads why this should be the the tool that families should be using because it's more affordable than these expensive phone calls. And it's easier to use than anything else that's available on the market. And we wanted to be able to keep the families connected. We again, we just didn't think that it was going to grow to be this. That's amazing. Such a blessing. So it's an incredible. How did blessing. you even like get started in technology? Like I googled how do you build a mobile app. That's awesome. T- look what technology can do. Like it was just that. Google simple. is your best friend, right? What? Google or YouTube? <laughs> YouTube is my best friend. Man, let me tell you something. I know I, YouTube. Everything. Come learn how to build Rome off of YouTube. I know, right? That <laughs> is my 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 buddy. And so I saw something. Um, well, first of all, before I, I talk about this, when you send that text. In that photo, how long does it take for your family member, the incarcerated individual, to receive it? Well, it's designed just like Instagram. You Mm -hmm. add this photo, you type this text, you press in, you put your phone back in your purse. Mm -hmm. We take the picture and text Mm -hmm. and we print it on Mm -hmm. a real tangible postcard Mm -hmm. because there's no internet and you don't have the time to write letters and buy postage and buy envelopes and Googling addresses and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out who it's going to go to. That's all baked into the app. So by the time you press the send button, we've already started the process of building your postcard and starting to print them. Mm-hmm. We print, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of postcards at a time, and we ship three times a day, mm-hmm. every single day. So each postcard, it'll take a, um, on average about three or four days to be able to get to your loved one, depending on where they are and how quickly they pass out mail at that facility. And how many users? Do you know how many users you have now? We've connected over 140,000 families. Amazing. When did you launch the company? We launched in 2000. Um, we went live in app stores in 2012. Mm. And yeah. you said 140,000. 140,000 families. It's such a blessing. Like, I, I'll tell you, the first couple of years we spent jumping through that bureaucratic red tape that I described before, just trying to figure out how to get the, the facilities to, you know, to accept the innovation that we were building into mm-hmm. their prisons. But, um, and, you know, after we got to that point, you know, it became this thing where, uh, people started receiving mail in prison before. Mm-hmm. No, people don't get mail in jail anymore, mm-hmm. right? Like your loved one's in jail and your brother's in prison and you've been telling him, you've been promising him or your uncle, you've been promising them that you're going to write them letters mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, you know, when I get time, I'm going to do it, but you never do it. Mm-hmm. And so when these new people started receiving these postcards in the mail, it forced everyone in a prison to run back to the phones and like, yo, you can send me almost like a text. Mm-hmm. And it'll come as a postcard, and I'll start getting mail. Please right, you send me this. That. Like, it's, I mean, at bare minimum, <laughs> you post it on Facebook, on Instagram. I want to see those same photos, mm-hmm. the same photos of what you're eating every day in that caption. I want to see the same thing. The car that you just purchased, the new babysitter that you're taking a selfie with, that's just going to allow you to be able to have, you know, date night again. I want to see that. I want to see the kids' first day of school or grandma making a potato salad on Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. or, you know, the Christmas tree and the lighting of it. And what New Year's or now, you know, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get those. I want to get one piece of mail showing why you love me every day, you know, of the month during the month of February. Right. Th- these are new ways that our users are 
engaging with their loved ones. And while I'm excited about connecting families this way, um, every now and again, I get a chance to be able to just sit back and bask and saying it's not so much about the technology that we're building, Marcus. It's really about having the opportunity to talk to the world and show the humanity that really exists. Mm-hmm. When you think about people in prison, I normally thought that everyone just writes every, you know, these men and women off because mm-hmm. I thought that way about myself. Mm-hmm. I thought that my community wrote me off. But what I really realized is that the majority of the reason why the connectivity falls apart is strictly because of the lack of time. Mm-hmm. And if we shorten that gap of the effort that it takes in order to be able to keep the effort, go- the, the, communi- the communication and the, the family connection going, then we're doing something mm-hmm. insanely impactful and that like keeps me keeps me going every morning. Now I saw something else that was um cool and amazing at the same time online. Um I don't know well I guess um John Legend. I saw John Legend introduce you um and somehow he's connected to this company. Yeah. So how did that come about and what was it like to meet him and to have somebody like him believe in your vision? Yeah, John Legends though, man. John is really really cool. Um you know, he's very very not only is he, he's really informed about um criminal justice issues, but he understands the importance and the value of family connections while you're in this place he had a very close loved one of his that was in prison and he he understood what that connection did for him and him and his loved one and so while he wanted to be able to help not just me as an entrepreneur he was like maybe by me helping to support flick shop i'm able to be impactful for families around the world and so um he made an investment in our company um and now he's like hey how can i continue to support this this effort to, to connect families around the, around the world. Um, he's been a huge champion and cheerleader for the brand, and, and I couldn't think of a better person to help support the company. I'm very grateful for him. That's amazing. Yeah. How did how did you connect? Like who who initially put you in touch with him? Or yeah, you know, was like, it did he just hear about you? And you know, he um it was it was some friends and some friends that you know made the connection strong. He you know he started using he was you know he started to use the product and think about how could he contribute to wanting to help some of the families once he heard about the the impact that we knew that we were starting to have. Um, and then he said, hey, you know what? Let's try something really small and. I want to send some flick shops to some people. And then we were like, well, maybe sending flick shops maybe isn't the most impactful because to be completely honest, I don't even believe like them receiving flick shops from John Legend and his camp. I don't know if they'll believe that because honestly, I don't even believe that I'm I'm working with John Legend in his camp, right? right? right. Like you know, what I, mean? I can't believe that this incredible celebrity um, is, is is such a champion for our business. Uh, so we were like, you know, well, what if you were there to help support some of the families whom we actually support? Like they would love to be able to not have the pressure during the holidays of not having to pay 99 cents even though it's a buck mm. what if we even strip that away from him mm. and um for the holidays he was like hey let's do it um he purchased i mean you know tens of thousands of flick shop credits we were able to support tons of families all around the country that That's allowed awesome. them to be able to stay with their you know connected to their loved ones that are incarcerated completely for free during the holidays um, and, and that's when I knew like this dude is serious mm. like oh snap John is serious like he's really not only been a champion for it and talking about us and putting it on his own social channels and inviting media to talk more about Flick Shop but he's putting his money where his mouth is right, right. you know what I mean like that was different for me I'm like oh snap he's not just a talker like he's a real he's dude a doer. <laughs> yeah like this right. is dope like thanks John you know what I mean he's like 
all right, now that we've done that, how can we do more? What's the next step? You know, how else can I support? And who are some other entrepreneurs that we can bring into this? Because these are the entrepreneurs, this diverse group of, of entrepreneurs are going to be the ones that are going to change the world. Mm-hmm. And I want to help support that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 he, and he's done that over and over again. I mean, I can't, I can't sing his praises enough because he's just really a cool dude. And he, he deserves it. That's yeah. amazing. And so from Flick Shop, the app, you also started a Flick Shop, like a business school? Yeah. So, I mean, we started the Flick Shop School of Business because we wanted to ensure that we were being very thoughtful about what happens after prison when a loved one comes home. Mm-hmm. We want to keep you and your brother you know, in contact while he's there. But when he comes home, how are we being thoughtful around helping contribute to his own success path? Because maybe he can mirror some of the successes that some of the, the instructors that work at the Flick Shop School of Business have done, which is all people that have been somehow impacted by the justice system, whether they've been there, they were incarcerated themselves, or have a loved one in their immediate family has, who has been incarcerated. If, we've been, if we're being thoughtful about this, that means that we're able to build a curriculum centered around my own path from prison to entrepreneurship and using the validation tools that I use in order to be able to build our business, using some of the social capital that I was able to build along the journey so that I can introduce other potential entrepreneurs to their new success path. And then even finding that resources that we know that are necessary in order to be able to help these men and women that are coming home. Because let me tell you, one important piece of the journey has definitely been the introductions and the social capital that we're building along the journey by just talking to people in meeting and working hard and hustling but the biggest impact we found for these and people in our circle are the 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 opportunities that the opportunities that they have to be around people that are willing to kick the door in be a sponsor and say you will help marcus we aren't going to say hey you know maybe we can introduce you to some people that may be able to help you and try to send some emails and i'll try to connect you that's dope, and I'm very grateful for you, for, for all of you guys, all of you mentors along the journey. But it's the sponsors who are saying, no, this door needs to be kicked in and saying, hey, look, you will support these people because that's what's necessary in order to be able to see real growth and a real trajectory. Otherwise, we're just talking. Right. So if one wanted to like um, get involved in that or attend the session, how would they do that? Yeah, hit us up, flickshopschoolofbusiness.com. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an awesome journey. Yeah. So you have such an amazing life. Um, oh, this this chapter. Yeah, this chapter. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's there's so much um, so so much more to do. Some so many avenues that I see you going in. Yeah, I'm um, grateful to have the opportunity. I'm I'm just I'm I'm, I'm I just want to stay healthy, and I hope that. Uh, you know, I have the community support to continue to keep pushing forward because I believe if we band together as a community, we'll see incredible change, especially during this era of mass incarceration. Ouch. Definitely. Um, real quick, Free Minds uh, Book Club. What is your association oh, I love with free that? Minds. Yeah, Free Minds is dope. I love Free Minds. I taught an apprenticeship class for uh, Free Minds for, for a couple of years uh, where we taught, you know, returning citizens how to come home and begin to, you know, forge their own success paths. Um, but you know, I'm always there to support that organization. One of the best organizations in DC. Awesome. So we're running low on time and, uh, I do this thing what I call fast five where I ask my guests um, five questions. First thing that, um, comes to your mind. Okay. Here we go. I hope it's anything that's scary. 
No, 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 no. All Not right, at we'll all. See. Okay. Right, What's your favorite book? 1984. Hmm. What's your favorite person in the tech industry? Well, who's your favorite person in the tech industry? Hmm. That's a good one. Um. Hmm. Right, let me go fast five. So I'm gonna say Bezos. Okay. <laughs> What's the last movie that you saw? Uh, ooh, movie. Um, come on, Marcus. I watched the movie recently. It's supposed to be fast. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, it was some Christmas movie, some Christmas, something along with holiday and Christmas. I can't think of the name of it. Are you a wizard? That movie with Diz- with Diddy's son in it. I watched it with my wife on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh, I watched Bird Box after that. So let's okay. go with Bird Box. Bird That's Box. the last movie okay. I watched. And are you? I know you play basketball. Are you a Wizards fan? Yes, of course. Love. I'm a Wiz. My son's a Wiz kid too. Okay. And what's that? Get last... healthy, John Wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what's the last app that you downloaded? Mm, I can tell you right now. Where's my phone? I think it, uh, probably something dealing with some. Probably something dealing with uh, something with FlickShop. I'm sure. I download apps all the time. Oh, I thought it was something with FlickShop. Blaze Pizza. Okay. The Blaze Pizza app. <laughs> Okay, and okay, so this is the end of the show. But anything um, you're working on, any projects that you want to talk about, real quick? So, Flickshop Angels is where I spend the majority of my time. Flickshopangels.com and Flickshop is spelled F L I K S H O P angels.com. It allows our community to be able to band together and support our children with an incarcerated parent. Um, so if you want to help support in a, ch- a child with an incarcerated parent, please, 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 please join us in that fight. Um, become a Flickshop Angel. Go to FlickshopAngels.com um, and you can help us in supporting our children with a, a locked up mom or dad. Look, this is this has been a great, this has been an awesome conversation. Very motivational. Thank you. I, I told as we talked before the show, I got my stuff that I'm working on. So you like really like boosted me and gave me that energy to keep doing, you know, my thing. But thank That's you awesome. for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with you. You got to come back. You got to come to. You got to give a talk at the library or something. Yeah, we got to. I'm always I'm always available. I okay. love my folks. You out said it on air. So. Shoot me, yeah, shoot me a note. I'm, I'm there. I'm in the building. Okay, awesome. This has been an episode of DCPL's All Things Local on Full full Service Radio, broadcasted live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Please visit dclibrary.org to learn more about the library's services and programs. And just a note, this is Martin Luther King Jr. week at the D.C. Public Library. So there's several programs throughout the city this week um, honoring and celebrating the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So please go to dclibrary.org to check it out in your neighborhood. Um, Also go to uh, if you want to talk to us on Twitter go to at dcpl and also on Instagram it's at dcpubliclibrary. Listen and download this show wherever you listen to your podcast by searching for full service radio. Thank you for listening.
Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.